0: It feels like there's a new podcasting story coming across mainstream news. Now, whether it's Caller Daddy getting a $20 million deal after a very public feud with their former employer or another public breakup between the Joe Budden podcast, and then there's also Apple launching a new subscription service or your neighbor down the road that's starting up a Bitcoin podcast. It feels like a crowded market where only the powerful and the established are going to survive. But in today's show, I'm going to share with you some encouraging stats about the industry that should connect, that should cement the power of this medium for smaller creators and hopefully help you feel more confident about getting your own show or a company show off the ground. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Brumleave, and this show covers the creator economy, the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it fits all into the world of logistics. and On today's show, we're going to be talking about some updated and encouraging podcast stats, plus some content automation tips. We're also going to be joined by Aaron and Michael from the Trucking for Millennials podcast, especially after they just hit 100 episodes. Christy Knitchell of Knitchell Logistics is going to be talking about owning the family business, taking it into the next level and and ultimately becoming a hundred million dollar company in just a short amount of time. And also the power of networking and mentorship that she is a huge fan of. And ever since I started following her work, it's been incredible to watch her sort of blossom and and really ring home true that the power of of having a good, especially a female mentor in your life. So we've got all that on today's show, but the first topic we're going to dive into to is the world of podcasting stats. And as sort of temperatures start to get warmer and the lockdown restrictions start to ease up, I've been a little curious as to how the listening habits of both the the users that listen to podcasts and then also the creators, how those sort of stats would evolve now that people are starting to get more out in the wild, outside of their homes and and away from the office a little bit. How are those listening trends and those creator trends, how are they, they going? Are they going in a positive direction or a not so positive direction? So we have some new numbers that can help shed some light. But first let's talk about dead shows. And essentially a dead show can be one of a few things it can be a show that has only ever uploaded one or two episodes it could be a show that maybe was a limited run series and then they you know eventually stopped with no plans on uploading anything in the future or it can just be a show that started off with a bang maybe a few years ago or maybe even this year and the podcast host just decided that it wasn't right for them so that's what's considered a dead show so the website Pod- podcast insight says that there are more than 2 million podcasts in the world. And while that may sound like a lot, less than 900,000 of them are active and active meaning that they've published an episode within the last year. So folks who are publishing more often, especially more than once a year Already, those numbers should stand out to you as a significant advantage because when you hear these large numbers like 2 million podcasts have been launched and all of these big stars getting these, these big multi-million dollar exclusive contracts with Spotify or even some other podcast platforms, it can sound really intimidating in order to jump into the podcast game because then it kind of makes you feel like, well, why, how can I possibly compete with those, uh, those types of shows? Now, I love stats, but I love giving context around those stats much more because Buzzsprout, if in case you've heard any of our previous episodes, I mentioned Buzzsprout a lot just because I'm a fan of their educational material. And they are my podcast hosts, and they host podcasts from all over the globe. But they release these monthly stats that give us this insight into how users are listening and both creating on their platform. And they just released their May stats. And head of marketing, Alvin Brooks, said on a recent Cyberly episode, go back and check that episode out if you want to hear a little bit more into it but if you if your podcast receives 37 downloads in the first week you are in the top 50% of all podcasts. Now it's keeping in perspective all of the numbers that I just gave you about you know how active you know, less than 900,000 podcasts are technically active and, and how many of those have published within the last year. So if your podcast, if you're one of those less than 900,000 creators that are out there actively publishing, if your podcast receives 37 downloads within the first week, you're already in the top 50%. So you can take that 900,000 number and cut that in half. And so coupling that with how many of the dead podcasts out there, if you're thinking of getting into the game now is the time because they also have some latest trends of how people are listening. So in the early 2000s, only 22% of the adult population in the U S was aware of podcasting in 2021, 78% of people of Americans are familiar with the medium that is up 3% from just last year, 2020 alone. And more than one third of Americans, about 104 million, regularly consume podcasts. Americans ages 12 to 34 make up about 66% of podcast fans and 7% more and are 7% more likely to listen in 2021 than last year. So it's a growing medium without really a lot of competition. If you think about how many blogs are out there, how many websites are out there, if you have a podcast with about 400, and if there's about 450,000 podcasts that are actively publishing at least more than once every year, then those are some encouraging stats because the demand for listening is growing while these podcast hosts need creators out there making content. So let's go into how they're actually listening to the content. So as of May 2021, Apple Podcasts is the number one in downloads with about 29% of podcast users. It's followed very closely by Spotify. And the theory around that is that Spotify is available on Android devices and also Apple devices. So that's the reason why those numbers kind of skew that way. Apple has been dominant in the market and has really sort of, I guess, bubbled the bag when it comes to actual capitalization on the Apple On the podcast market, they're trying to creep up now, especially with offering a new subscription service as of late. But Spotify is going to probably trounce them here in the next year. or So as far as download numbers are concerned. Now, what about how long people are listening? And it looks like around 40 minutes to an hour is the sweet spot for podcasts. There were some encouraging numbers that say, you know, maybe 10 10 minutes or less, about 10% of people listen to those. Um, But around 40 minutes was really the sweet spot taking up about 60% of, of users and how they choose to listen. So between That 40-minute mark to an hour mark seems like the perfect length. Now, the top genres that people listen to is comedy, news, true crime. You're looking at a graphic right now on on the screen that that really breaks down how how, or all of these different genres. I don't see marketing on that list, which kind of sucks, but maybe we'll get up there one day. Um, so let's talk about so that's the top genres. Let's talk about the growth projections. So just three years ago in 2018, 44% of Americans had listened to a podcast. And in 2021, that number rose to 58%. And is projected steadily to rise in 2022 as podcast popularity increases and becomes more and more mainstream. Now, because of all of this insight, and I, you know, as, as someone who's a creator and I've been a podcaster since 2014, this might be a little bit of like an- anecdotal evidence, but i I fancy myself as a student of this medium. I, I love watching the the who, what, where, when, and why of of how another show. It, it, doesn't really depend on the industry, but how they are actually uh, targeting the market and how, they're, they're, how often they're uploading episodes. What does their podcast artwork look like? What, how long is their show title? What are they including in their show notes? So based on all of that, just sort of anecdotal evidence of what I see as an active podcast listener, I started coming up with my own theories and experiments. So right now, what I'm currently doing is I'm publishing starting out with a pillar piece of content, which is a piece of content like this show. And then I will splice this up anywhere into three to four episodes. And then I will publish that as an individual episode and I'll do that every single week. So anywhere from you know three to five episodes per week, if I'm on an interview with another show, I will publish that on my own podcast. If I'm doing consulting calls, which I do consulting calls for free with a lot of folks, then I will take those consulting calls with their permission, of course, and upload them as a podcast as well. So that gives me the flexibility to upload three to four times every single week. Now, the downloads, depending on the episode length, those episodes can be anywhere from 10 minutes to over an hour in length, but the downloads relatively stay the same. Doesn't really depend on the length. So that means that people are are still actively listening, no matter the show link of that particular episode. Now, a new tool, which I am really, really excited about is I integrated it onto my new site, which you might have heard me talk about a little bit last week on the digital dispatch site. But if you check out one of the podcast pages, so What kind of automation I have set up is that when I upload a new podcast, it filters directly, including the show notes, it filters directly up into the website. So it creates a custom blog post specifically on the website. Now, there are some manual things that I'll have to go in. Like the example that you're seeing on the screen here, I go to the FreightWaves YouTube channel. I take the the YouTube video from that same show and I will add it in just to add a little bit of visual to the post. But those show notes, all of that text was uploaded directly to the podcast host. And then it was automatically imported to the website. Now I do this on, on two different shows plus YouTube content. So it creates that level of automation that I'm able to have all of my content in one source on one site. So if people want to dive in, if they want to see kind of what I cover, then that does this for me automatically. And what you, you'll also notice is that closer to the top, you'll see that play button, not the YouTube play button, but the play button above. That's the actual podcast player. And that is a custom player That is it, that all of those plays count towards the podcast stats. So that was one of the initial worries is that if I set up this automation, are these stats going to count towards the podcast plays? They do. And the cool thing is, is that I've already seen, I just launched this last week, web browser plays, which is technically what this is when you play from a website is a web browser play that's not from an embedded podcast player, which might be a little bit too technical for a lot of folks out there. But those downloads are actually counted towards the actual podcast itself. And it's already that one of the top spots or the top spot for all of my podcast plays now. And it's really, really cool to see that it's 46% of all plays within over the last 30 days. Keep in mind, this has only been live for a little over a week now, but 46% of all plays are now coming from that automation that's been set up. So I, I think for, you know, for future plans for this, I kind of have an idea that I want to turn this into automatic social media posting, um, automatic email notifications, letting people know that, Hey, new episode dropped. There's a little bit of a, th- there's a little tweaks that I kind of got to work out on that end, but I'm a big fan of taking advantage of some automation that's out there, especially for content distribution. And then also taking advantage of, of it, it not necessarily supplementing the manual posts that I create out on LinkedIn or even on Twitter some of these other social media platforms, that is a good supplement that makes sure that I have fresh content being published out to my distribution channels without having to do a lot of heavy lifting. It's all in theory, automated up until the point of of distribution where I can take that approach where I want to add more automation to it or if I want to do more of a manual effort, which I still believe in both. Um, I think manual has a lot more of an effect as, as far as getting people to listen versus just the, the standard automatic posting to social media. But it's some really, really cool insights that we're seeing already like I said, just over a week that it's been that that, that it's been launched. That 46 percent of all podcast plays are now coming from the website browser. I think that that's really encouraging. So a few takeaways from this sort of like uh, encouraging podcast stats is that while podcasts are growing, it's nowhere near as saturated as saturated as it may feel, especially to other content mediums. I believe the go to strategy is to start with one long show and then condense it into clips. Then that way you can use those clips. You can either upload them directly to your pod. Because the podcast is one of the last sort of feeds out there that doesn't have an algorithm yet. I'm fairly certain that they will have an algorithm for it in the future, but it doesn't have an algorithm yet. Meaning that once you log into your podcast player of choice, whether it's Apple, or even um, Overcast or some of these other podcast player apps, you don't have to worry about a, a platform choosing what they think you will like. I know Spotify does a little bit of an algorithm with their podcast feeds, but some of these other platforms, they do not have an algorithm, meaning that the latest thing that you post is going to appear at the time that you post. You don't have to worry about that algorithm sending you things that they think that you're going to like. So take advantage of the algorithm, the pure our non, I guess, algorithm feed that is still there in the world of podcasting while you can. So if you publish more often, you're going to appear in the feed more often. And my sort of anecdotal evidence of that doesn't really matter how much you publish that, or it does matter how much you publish because you want to stay in front of those eyeballs. You want to stay on top of mind. And that is one of the last places that you can do so on the internet without an algorithm. So, if you publish more often, you'll help to ease up that distribution of the show by using a couple cool automation tools where it makes sense for you and your business. So speaking of podcasting, we're going to go ahead and bring in our next two guests, Michael and Aaron from PDQ America and their podcast Trucking for Millennials. Let's go ahead and bring those guys in because they just hit 100 episodes and it's really, really been fun to watch the growth of this show and to watch how many different interview guests that you guys have had on. But Michael, I want to start with you because you wanted to get this podcast thing rolling, and you made the decision to hire Aaron to manage it. But what was that catalyst for you that said, we got to start a podcast?
1: Well, first, I just want to thank you for having us on the show. That's sure. exciting. So this is cool. Live. Aaron always tries to get me to go live. It's not my favorite thing, but I just know what uh, I want to say. Anyways, I had a previous podcast called Manufacturing Leadership uh, with another company. And uh, it was fun. I got to do interviews and things like that. But as I moved along in my career, I realized I'd made a lot of mistakes in business, whether it was management, mismanagement, people, processes, whatever it was, there's a lot of mistakes i made. And the transportation uh, industry is one that it's really not very difficult to get into, but it is very easy to get into and make a lot of mistakes. Hmm. And through through that kind of idea generation, I thought, well, there needs to be something out there where people can learn more about how to be better at trucking. How to, if I can maybe save somebody some time or my mistakes or someone else's mistakes, if they can hear about those and it may help them in their business, I figure that's a positive. And so the idea was kind of there of like, hey, maybe we could do a podcast or some sort like that. And uh, you know, that was uh, essentially kind of the. The, the reason why I wanted to start a podcast was just to be able to get more information out there to better help people in the transportation and trucking industry uh, try, to, try to maybe not make as many mistakes as I did uh, in our early goings.
0: I love that message because it's just such a, you're, you're, you're teaching the value of, of the lessons that you've learned that you really only learn the hard way. And so you decided to, to get the podcast going and then you decide to, to hire Aaron to, to manage it all. So what was sort of the, the, the first few steps learning from a previous podcast and a previous company? How, how, what did you guys learn and how did you apply it to the new show?
1: Well, the, the trucking for millennials thing came from, for for one, it, the title the title stuck out to me because Trucking for Millennials is, is like a name. It says, hey, we're in trucking. We're millennials. Everything I say on this show or the guests that I have on may not be right, but who cares because we're millennials. We're allowed to make mistakes. We're not. You know, a few years ago, the expectations weren't very high for millennials, so uh, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was like a cop out, but it was like saying, hey, if we make a mistake on this show, it is because we're still young and trying to figure out our way in this industry. But as I was looking through the podcast app, I noticed I would just type in trucking and there wasn't, just like to your, to your point earlier, it wasn't a very saturated area uh, for podcasting and there was a lot of room there for growth. And the idea had been on my mind for a while and I was actually at uh, the Freight Waves event in Atlanta and they were going over media and things. And at that point in time was actually when I put out on LinkedIn that I wanted to hire somebody to come in and help. Uh, get this podcast and our media uh, moving in a in, in a positive direction even quicker, and that was really whenever Aaron came into the picture.
0: And and so Aaron with with creating the show, what was sort of did you guys map out like a content plan, or was it just sort of shooting from the hip as, as far as creating the show?
2: Well, uh, you know, from the from the start, it was kind of like a. It, it was a little bit of a mix of a both because we had conversations about okay, I want to you know Michael was like I want to start this podcast trucking for millennials. I didn't know a lick about logistics, and uh, but I was intrigued because I had imagined that the trucking industry uh, didn't have much going on in terms of creative media and and different different types of content like that. So I thought it was forward thinking, and I always want to uh, join forces, so to speak, with forward thinking companies and individuals like Michael. So uh, when It, the idea came to me. I was like, oh, well, that, that's awesome. And so, uh, it was about a month. We were kind of talking about formats, getting music together, getting, you know, what, what are we going to do? Like, what does it look like now that this is becoming a real thing? And then it was about, it was about a month and the Great American Trucking Show in 2019 was coming up in Dallas, which is about two hours away from us. And so we just said, hey, that sounds like a good place to launch a podcast, maybe. So <laughs> we were like, "What do we got to do to get the essential bits, you know, together? We can uh, connect with people in the industry, promote the podcast in it where a lot of industry professionals are going to be." And so we got some uh, business cards put together, just to, you know, to hand out. And then we started hosting. We, we started recording shows. Probably the first five or six episodes at that show with people we had never met before. We were just. Hey, you're in trucking. You know, uh, uh, Ellen Boyer, for example, she she was really, really nice and came by the the booth Oh, Wow, that that's a hell of a
0: first guest. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> so like, it was her and uh, Marcus Cooksey uh, was there. We met wow. him there. We met so many great people. Dooner, I tweeted Dooner. I tweeted yeah. Tim Dooner uh, like a day before the show and was like, I was just like, I don't know, uh, maybe he'll <laughs> say what's up. And he was like, Yeah, when do you want me to come by? I was like, Okay, this is great. So. Uh, It just kind of snowballed from there. We're like, okay, I think we got something. And then from there, it was just kind of distribution. So that's kind of how it it launched off. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I love that story because it's I feel like conferences are still such an untapped market. I mean, obviously, over the last year, it's been a little difficult to get, you know, in person interviews, especially at a conference. But it's one of the few instances where you have all of sort of industry leaders in one place, and you can get all of them on one show. I I feel like so many more podcasts need to to be out there doing that. So kudos to you guys for, for really launching your show with a bang. But now that you've you've crossed that threshold, of the triple digits you've reached 100 episodes just recently what do you think that you've learned the most out uh, after creating a hundred shows
1: go ahead consistency yeah Uh, you know whether it's it's aaron pushing me or aaron pushing me to do the (laughs) podcast and hey man we got to get this in this week uh it's it's been it's been a fun ride and if you would have asked me we would be at 100 shows I would have probably said yeah eventually but the fact that we're we're here now and and we've we've talked with that many guests and we've had that many folks on the show and and done it week after week after week it's it's almost just become a part of my life like a you know eating dinner it's like hey i know once a week i've got to do this um and and at this point now it's it's been fun because we have people reaching out to us who want to be on the show Uh, we, we don't have any issues reaching out to guests or potential people. Whereas er, in our early goings, people were like, you know, what is this about? Why do you want to talk to me? Uh, (laughs) so it's, it's been, it's been a lot easier. And I I would just say from the, uh, from hitting the triple digit, something that I learned was just to stay consistent and you got to have fun with it. Don't, don't like get burned out. And in those moments that you're not really wanting to do it, you just got to push through them and remember that. You don't do this for yourself. You do it for others. You do it to put good information out. It's not about you. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is fun to, to know that there's folks out there who want to hear whether it's what you have to say or the, pe- the people that we have on our show.
0: I, I agree completely because I think consistency is the hardest part of any kind of content creation. Do you guys have any sort of like a secret sauce or do you just, as far as keeping that consistency, is it like a set day of the week that you are absolutely recording no matter what?
2: No. <laughs> no, I I wish I wish I could share like the the whole, you know, blueprint game plan, but the, the thing is it's a you know, we, we do a podcast, but we also have a trucking company and freight brokers that we're trying to run every single day. So it's just it a little side it, hustle. It, yeah. So it you know, that that's really the top priority. The podcast is just kind of the cherry on top. Um but you know it so so we are always balancing you know my schedule with michael's schedule with the guest schedule if we have a guest and so it can be a challenge but at the same time it's really just looking ahead and 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 saying okay well if you're going to be gone you know next week or if i'm going to be gone for this part of the week and you're going to be gone you know it, it's just a matter of you know keeping track of what's coming down the pipe and um you know Planning ahead, you know it's just planning ahead from there, mm-hmm. um thankfully, a hundred weeks in a row, you know we're we've been able to get on here and uh share what we've learned or share the stories of other uh, logistics professionals throughout the industry and it's just a matter of you know I've always got a few lines in the water and a few great people to connect with that if we need somebody in a pinch, we can but we don't really put a lot of pressure on ourselves either, because uh, Michael and I can talk trucking every day because we do it every day. So it's no problem for us to just, uh, hey, let's just talk about some of these articles, these industry topics that are happening, and just get mm-hmm. it done. You know, at the end of the day, it's 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 only an hour out of the week, and so uh, it's provided such you know great opportunity to meet and learn uh, that it just makes a lot of sense to just go ahead and you know keep on trucking.
0: And then you guys eventually started adding a video component to to the show. You have this fancy new, you know, studio space. W- was that sort of a, that, was that that next level progression that you made in the show? Because I think people see shows like yours and they're like, wow, I, you know, there's no way I could, you know, start something like that. Look at how good their show looks. It, it was a slow progression for you guys, or, or did you always sort of have this vision that this is, w- this is the look that you wanted?
1: I think it's kind of like, hey, what do we have in that closet over there that we can put behind <laughs> us? Whatever. So, like, this is actually our trade show booth that we use uh, as our backdrop, so it doubles as a ten by ten <laughs> uh, space at a trade Love show. It. So we we use that, and we're actually we've been removed from our our studio. It still looks like we're in it, but we're actually going to be moving into a new office in August. So we're we're kind of misplaced right now. We're in a small room where the air conditioner is freezing sometimes it actually feels pretty good anyway, but <laughs> sometimes you could hang meat in this office or of-
0: <laughs> but you're finding ways to make it work and you're keeping that consistency, which I think is yeah. one of the more important lessons for any creators out there and And when I tell other companies the value of starting a podcast, they usually start with with two questions and they're usually panicked questions because they say, who is going to manage all of this and what's going to be the ROI? Did you guys initially ask those questions yourself, or do you do you have the answers to those questions now?
2: So when when I first started, that was a question that I had asked Michael. Just like what you know, who do we want to connect with, and 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 what is the the prime motivi- motivation? Are we trying to get new freight opportunities from this podcast, or are we just trying to enrich the logistics industry? And and we kind of, especially at the start, uh, you know, I got word from Michael of just kind of like we got into agreement of. Let's just put it out there and see what happens, and, and and roll with it. See who we can connect with, and and really make it more kind of carrier focused and and more like trucking business focused instead of, uh, you know, really trying to reach out to customers and 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 use it in that in that format just to get it get get an audience established. You know, the people who want to talk trucking are the people who are in trucking. So that made a lot of sense, and so uh, that's kind of the the, the first step. For us was just saying, okay, well, that's the audience we want to build. Let's go after them. So let's connect with some more carriers. Let's connect with uh, you know former DOT uh, officers. Let's connect. You know, they might not want to talk to them, but (laughs) maybe after the (laughs) after they have a show, you know, they 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 want to. They're more warm. Uh, But uh, yeah, so it it kind of started off that way. And then the cool thing with a podcast too is that we can always shift and pivot and, and, and change. You know, it's our show, so. Um, we're excited. We're going to have an, uh, a, a shipper that we work with uh, on the on the show here pretty soon to talk about you know what their needs are and you know share what you know is important to them and then that'll hopefully build our relationship to a greater extent and use this as a tool to connect with uh, customers as well. But you know it's never. Uh, I think the the wrong way to do it is to be like okay, well I'm going to expect this shipper or expect this person to give back something to me of monetary value because I just had them on a podcast. That's kind of the wrong approach. We do it... you know. The purpose of the podcast is to enrich the trucking community, uh, connect with some great people, learn as much as, if not more, than we teach on the show, and then just go from there and and see what opportunities come about from there. And opportunities have definitely come about in Mm -hmm. in a myriad of ways. I mean, uh, different conversations... Talking about ROI is just... I mean, uh, greater insight into you know business uh, systems and practices that we have put in place. New things to think about based on the stories and um, you know uh, challenges that other people have come about. Uh, of just like oh that <laughs> we oftentimes we'll wrap the podcast and then we'll go to our team and be like hey we just talked about this <laughs> and we might need to think about that. And yeah. so these are the type of ROI that is you can't really expect, mm-hmm. uh, but inevitably do come about because you're talking with people that know their stuff. And so it just, you know, it's just like any kind of a brainstorming session or if you have a meeting or or what have you, get people in the room and then all of a sudden you've got a, a new idea or a new approach or a new insight that you can take away and then apply. Mm
0: -hmm. what i did what i have noticed with a lot of your shows and uh, you you just spoke on it about having a a, you know a customer come on in the future or or maybe they're not a customer yet maybe you're hoping that they are but i i've noticed that you guys don't necessarily have a lot of customers on is that by by a conscious choice did did you want to make sure that you, you focus on other areas first more informational areas
2: yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it was a conscious choice, you know, t- at, at the beginning and, and up until now of just saying, okay, well, let's 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 take this to the carrier side of more the carrier side of the industry and figure out how you know we can maybe you know we we promote PDQ America through the uh, avenue of the podcast in a way, and so we welcome any carriers that want to you know become a part of our network and uh, maybe work with us uh, through the brokerage. Uh, and and really just get a better understanding of how we can improve our carrier relationships through connecting with other people in the industry, if it's carriers or if it's you know people in brokerage too. So you know there's 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 various. It's also who's interesting and who's you know who are we learning from and who do we want to you know pick their brain so to speak and people who we are inspired by of like okay well if this person's you know got a lot of experience in like like uh, you know. Building a brokerage, they've ran a brokerage for thirty years, or uh, what have you. It's like there's always something to talk about and to mm-hmm. take away that we can we can take a take away and apply to our business. So um, just because we are, we're not specifically focused on customers uh, as far as interviewing them, um, doesn't mean that we don't get return on these mm-hmm. conversations that directly apply to them.
0: I love that because then you're, you're leading with that, like you said earlier, with that information, informational and educational approach first versus, you know, maybe just strategically setting up an interview with a customer that you would like to have in the mm-hmm. future. I, I think that that, that is a really smart way to lead the show. Now, as far as once you create the show, after you're done recording, are you guys handling all of that editing in-house? Um, the distribution of the show, what does that, or are you outsourcing it maybe to a marketing agency? What does that that process sort of look like for you guys? Are you guys handling everything?
2: I handle all the editing, uh, produce the podcast and everything, uh, and then up until recently, uh, we're going to start promoting the podcast to a, a greater level and really just amping up our marketing a little bit. So. Mm-hmm. Um, outsourcing, I, I've, we've definitely used uh, different graphic designers mm-hmm. and different folks throughout the the length of the podcast for, I, I mean, I think our first co- our first cover art was like, oh yeah, not not what it is today. And uh, it's because <laughs> yeah. I made it. And so you know, uh, you, know, as you as you as we grow and evolve, the podcast grows and evolves, and, and it's like, okay, there's a better person to you know uh, take this visually. And so anything that I have a weakness in, recognize it and then say okay this could be strengthened if i let just somebody else handle it and so i handle all the audio stuff because i know that um but as far as you know some of the visual elements that kind of thing um let somebody else handle that that kind of thing but there's a there's a freelancer for everybody out there to i mean you could really just record some audio and let somebody else handle all of it.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that approach. Cause I've always really been drawn to your graphics that, that you put out on, on social media and speaking of social media, because you're not just podcasting, you're very, very active out on Instagram, out on LinkedIn. Do you switch up your posting strategy depending on the platform or is it really just focused on, on the podcast?
1: Yeah, I think I mean we definitely switch it up based on the platform. I mean, you wear your suit on LinkedIn and you wear your mullet on Instagram. It's, (laughs) you know, it's that's. uh, But we keep it that way. I mean, we like to have fun over on Instagram, but on LinkedIn, we do like to keep it more business. I mean, this has been a conversation Aaron and I have had countless times in that we we don't feel like we do enough when it comes to promoting the show and promoting our business on on these channels. It's. It's almost like we've almost became more of just an information center for, for trucking companies and for others in the industry. And we're really okay with that. Uh, when it comes to that ROI that you were talking about, uh, you know, we never set out to have so many people watching our show or to be able to get this much return on value. I think what you really had was two guys who just enjoyed podcasting and interviewing people, and we just wanted to make it part of our everyday job.
0: I love that because I mean, obviously, you guys are very forward thinking when it comes to your marketing strategy. I mean, hell, th- there's not that many companies that even have a podcast right now. Not to mention that everything that you're doing in addition to the podcast is uh, along with running a business. Now, are there any, you know, sort of future, I guess, maybe marketing campaigns or strategies, maybe some platforms that you would like to dip your toe in, in addition to LinkedIn and Instagram?
2: One thing one thing about uh, the podcast too, is that, you know, you know, this blithe of just like content pillars. And so one thing about the podcast is that it is a pillar piece of content that we can utilize in a lot of different ways. And then we've got other things like an email newsletter or if it's blog posting or, you know, just take your pick from what it is uh, and then the distribution after the fact. So the cool thing about triggering for Millennials at this point is that we've got it in our weekly schedule. It is, it is consistent and we've, you know, kind of got the machine running. Now it's about, okay, we're, we're focusing on, okay what's another pillar that we can develop and start creating to do you know to take it to this you know 100 weeks of consistency because we know that once we can you know really firm up what it is and and take it that long with the discipline uh and, and the 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 attention to quality then you know we have some return due to us you know what i mean because we're going to be providing great information so, so. um you know that that that's kind of one aspect of that, but then, mm-hmm. um, you know, one thing that we are going to start doing here soon is getting into TikTok a little bit of just like hey,
0: that was my next question.
2: <laughs> yeah, so so like that that's another thing of like you know it, it's about the time, right? Like you gotta you gotta edit it a particular way or or what have you. You gotta you know uh, schedule the time for that. So uh, we want to get the episodes of the podcast out there and for the trucking community on TikTok and you know, uh be have a have an actual presence there. So that's one thing that we're uh developing and you'll you'll see PDQ America uh and Trucking for Millennials on there here pretty soon. But uh that's one and then we've got some other stuff cooking. So
0: that's awesome. Good for you guys. I'm glad you're, you're jumping into the trucking TikTok world because it's, it's really fun. I'm, I'm, you know, sort of a, a lurker. I, I, I watch, I don't publish as much as I would like to, but it just goes back to just trying to find out what fits into your daily routine, your weekly routine and all that jazz. Now you, you guys are, are avid, you know, sort of a, I guess, students of the industry, students of podcasting. Are there any creators out there either within the industry or outside of the in- industry that you really admire?
2: Blythe Brimleaf. Yeah, Brian. Oh.
0: Definitely. (laughs) We talked about that before the show, so the check is in the mail. (laughs) Uh,
2: I'm trying to think. I mean,
1: Dooner was definitely one who just kind of paved the way in the logistics side of like media and saying, hey, you can have fun doing this. You can have a conversation with all these different people. And uh I mean, and he was able to do it on a large scale. Freightways gave him a great stage to be able to do that. And if anyone's ever captured their audience and the the opportunity, it was definitely him. And so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I could sit here and say that, uh, you know, may, maybe it's Jimmy Fallon or maybe, it, you know, it's somebody that does interviews that it's it's exciting to watch them and we model ourselves. But really, I think Aaron and I just come in here and try to be ourselves every single day. I think there's other people that have done this that are obviously motivating because you think to yourself, "Well, if they can do that, I can do that myself." Uh, but uh, really, I, I I don't really just think I have anybody all, like that. I just say I really want to be like them. Um, I think Aaron is a great example of someone I try to like be more like, and whenever it comes to podcasting and having fun uh, with this, so. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, Tim Dooner's cool. Aaron's cool. I think there's some there's some pretty cool media people in our industry, Blythe, you're, yourself included. I, I know we could probably have another show after this if you wanted to talk football. I, I told myself. <laughs> I that, to me, but, you
0: know. that was one of the things I looked in my notes and I'm like, dang, I didn't ask any football questions. But, but we're coming up on that time. So we'll have to bring you guys back when, when football season starts.
2: All right. <laughs>
0: All right, guys. Well, where can people follow more of your work? Where What can we expect in the future for for Trucking for Millennials?
2: At PDQ America on everything. Uh, PDQ America YouTube. Uh, subscribe, please. That would be awesome. Uh, and then, you know, PDQAmerica.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Aaron Dunn. Michael's on LinkedIn. Uh, and then as far as future Trucking for Millennials, I mean, uh, we've got another guest uh, that we'll be recording with tomorrow. And that'll come out uh soon and then uh we've got another guest lined up. So I mean we're just gonna keep doing it. So yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh and then and then, you know, hopefully I, I've got a show, I got I got a, a show idea I got a pitch to you that just reminded me. So it's exciting. Uh, we've got some we got some <laughs> new ideas and things to just like figure out how we can we can change it up and make it a little bit more dynamic. Always trying to up level, you know?
0: Awesome. Well, I, I I love to hear it. I love to see it. It's been really wild watching your guys' growth and, and and journey. So congrats again on 100 episodes. And I'm looking forward to watching the next 100. Anybody who's interested in in catching any of your shows, I'll be sure to link to in the show notes to make sure that you are subscribing because it's some of the best content in the industry and even outside of the industry. So great job, guys.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Blod. Keep-
0: Thank you, guys. Now on to our next guest, because I mean, they... they the I mean, Michael and Aaron are great. And now moving into our our next guest, because she is just wonderful. She's one of the women that I look up to in this industry, Christy Knitchell of Knitchell Logistics, and also a panelist for the Ladies Leadership Coalition, which I'm honored to share a mic with her as well. We had Nicole on in last week's show, and now we got Christy on in this week's show. And Christy, I'm going to start off with sort of an industry-related question because I, I'm a novice when it comes to intermodal, and you're the expert. So I wanted to see if you could break down a, a, a few things for me because I think we, we hear a lot, industry wise, you know, about you know driver recruiting, how that's a huge issue, and and, and just an issue that just persists. But how tight capacity is, uh, you know, the surging prices of, of a container are you you focus primarily you have some freight brokerage and, and and some truck brokerage but you focus primarily on intermodal are a lot of those same struggles that y- you're seeing on the trucking side affect the intermodal side as well
3: yeah absolutely um we're having issues with finding equipment capacity um you might be able to get a box but you might not be able to get a dray carrier or the trucking on each end to be able to either pick up the shipment or deliver the shipment, depending on where it's going, um, what time. Um, some of these shippers or receivers um, are having a hard time, I think, changing appointments around um, when it's needed. Um, on the mm-hmm. rail, because we do so much, one of the biggest issues is the inconsistent train schedules that are that are happening right now, which is causing a lot of reschedules.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't even really think about that. I have a train that, or a, a, I guess, I, I don't even know the right phrase that I'm going to call this, but there's a logistics plant near my house and not a plant, but there's, they have a train running through it regularly. So I hear the horn all the time and I I didn't even think of it from, from that aspect. So sticking with my fifth grade level questions for, for intermodal for a second, because I, I, like I said, I know you have a truck side of, of the business too, but what are some of the daily struggles that an, an intermodal carrier experiences that maybe other folks in, in other modes and sectors don't realize?
3: So I think, you know, not only are they dealing with the infrastructure issues, the traffic, that type of stuff, but when you're going into a rail ramp, there is a lot of congestion that's going on, um, depending on if you're going into a port versus an actual ramp. The ports are more congested um, than an actual rail ramp. So some of these drivers are having to wait three or four hours just to get in and out of an actual ramp. And that's to either get an empty box or to get a loaded box. And um, order to bring an empty box back after delivering, um, even though I would say in most cases, I think these carriers are trying to reload as much as they can before they bring back an empty box to the ramp. So those are definitely the big challenges. And then also same thing with picking up and delivering at shippers or receivers um, being held up for a period of time um where a customer might either want them to drop the shipment and they they just don't want to drop the shipment or they're you know telling them it's going to take hours to unload. Um so it's really a lot of the same issues that you see on the yeah. over the road side.
0: And so to to switch gears just a little bit on the perk side of things, what are some of the perks of running intermo- intermodal freight versus over the road?
3: So intermodal is mo- more more um, economically efficient from the fuel standpoint, so there's um a lot of um benefits in that aspect. And then also that you can save 10 to 20, 25% on your line haul pricing um, with rail. In you know, most markets, um, anything over 750 miles, we typically look at for shipping, you know, or going from truck to rail, basically, um, can be more efficient. The only thing I would say with that is these uh, shippers or receivers have to be able to, um, you know, take more time with receiving the product as far as, you know, a a truck might be able to get there in one or two days going across the country might take seven days Um, with the inconsistent train schedules though. I will say that throws another, you know, wrench in the blender there. So it might be seven days. It might be 10 days. It might be 12 days. It might be six days. It's been um, pretty awful to say the least, but I know the railroads are definitely working on um, making those changes so that we can have a better consistency with bringing that product in.
0: I love it. Thank, thank for, thank you for uh, breaking that down for me for my fifth grade intermodal, you know, sort of uh, education that I'm working with here because it helps me, you know, sort of better understand and, and and backing it up just a little bit to your early days in in your career, you weren't always in logistics. Uh, your 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 father was famously the the, the owner of Knitsho Logistics before you joined the team. You were managing you know two pizza shops before he convinced you to to join the family business. Now, how much of a challenge Was the learning curve? I mean, we just witnessed my learning curve for Intermodal, but how much of of a learning curve was it for you to go from managing two pizza shops to to managing a a close to $100 million business?
3: You know, I would say when I came on board, we were a very small company, so it wasn't as difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always the person to jump in, figure it out, learn, do whatever I had to do, even as a, you know, working in the pizza shop or even waitressing at one point. Um, basically, you know, doing whatever needs to be done and wanting to learn it. And when I first started, it was actually um, not as busy and I would say as crazy busy as it is now. Um, Things have changed quite a bit and it's been a little bit more complicated to do what we do today than what it was um, back then. So, you know, obviously learning the terminology is something that you don't have to necessarily do at a pizza shop and Um, Or waitressing or whatnot. I mean, yeah, you have to learn the menus and that type of thing. But you know, the terminology was probably the biggest piece and how it all works together. But once you get into it within a few months or so, I just I don't know, I picked it up pretty fast. Some people pick it up fast and some uh, takes a little bit more time.
0: Now, I, I love that you said that you were a waitress because I feel like that is an industry obvi- I mean not I feel it, it's definitely an industry that's been the hardest hit over the last year I'm a former waitress I think that that skill set just translates into so many other industries you have to talk to perfect strangers you have to upsell you have to worry about customer service so I love that you were a, a waitress and transitioned into this powerful you know sort of voice in the logistics market and and you've grown your business into a multi-million dollar firm and part of that growth is by focusing on your people. Now, I've heard you mention that you like to hire folks with a sports background. Why is that a focus for you?
3: We feel here that if you have a sports background of some sort, that you have more of a competitiveness to yourself, um, and in this industry, I feel like in an operation side, the pricing side, you just have to have that competitiveness, competitiveness I can't talk today, inside to want to win the business, to want to be able to move the business, get the shipment picked up, get it delivered, make your customers happy. Um, And I just feel like, you know, people that do um, sports or have done sports tend to have more of that in them. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to have it. But you know, it's definitely something we look for in people in certain roles.
0: Now, you you also make it a point to be invested in each of your employees. How did you manage those relationships, especially during COVID versus now when a lot of folks are, are back in the office?
3: Yeah, I think one of the things that was important was for me to make sure not only did I stay in touch with, you know, management team and those type of things that we've done even here at the office, but, you know, call each individual, reach out to each individual within my company, make sure that they're doing okay. Is there anything they need from me? Do they need support in some way or another? Just letting them know that I'm here and I'm backing them up. And, you know, we're all going through this together. And, um, you know, if they ever need to reach out to me, they can. I do have an open door policy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are people that, you know, have been here 12, 15 years. um, Been here, you know, pretty much from the inception almost. So we've just built a great culture around that. And I just want people to know that even though we're at home, we're still there i'm still you know seeing what's going on and knowing what's going on as well
0: I love that. I love when people put other people first. It it really shows, I think, in in just the overall output. And and speaking you know, sort of outside of the business, you're also involved in a bunch of different things. You're mentoring others, especially women in the industry. You're serving on the board of directors for the TIA. You're heavily involved in local charities and sponsorships. You're earning awards like 2020's Influential Women in Trucking and Women in Logistics from the Women in Trucking Association. You've also received an award twice, for the fastest growing companies in Pittsburgh. And I think that those last two awards make a ton of sense considering you're a panelist and one of the driving factors of starting the group, the Ladies Leadership Coalition. Now we had, we mentioned earlier that we had Nicole on, she's another panelist and, and the founder of the group, but she said that your mentorship to her was a big reason why she saw the value in creating this group and by how much you helped her. For many executives of, of growing companies, they say that they're, you know, too too busy to mentor or even add more to their plate. So why was mentoring women like Nicole and starting this group so important to you?
3: I think because I didn't have that for me when I grew up in the industry mm-hmm. I'm in my 24th year. So back when I started, you know, it was mostly all men. Um, Even to this day, I'm still in rooms with um, a lot of men. And, you know, there might be one woman, if that, um, when I'm at rail meetings. So to me, it means a lot to be able to give back what I've learned, because I've had to learn the hard way Um, and figure things out in ways that, you know, were just not easy. And being able, you know, having to reach out to eventually other peers, um, at some point, I just pushed myself to do it. And there was people out there that were willing to help me. But I really didn't have a support system like I feel like we have now. Um, With all these other women up and coming, I just think it's so important that we help each other, we engage each other, and do what we can to just, you know, rise above it all and just keep pushing each other forward.
0: I love that because it's been such a great thing to to watch just sort of from the sidelines and now to, to, to be a part of it with, you know, on a show like you and Nicole. It really is such an invaluable learning experience. And I encourage anyone that, that's out there, especially women, if you're in the logistics industry, to go watch that show because you can learn from industry veterans like Christy. Because I, I think that especially for for introverted people. I, I'm a little introverted myself. I know it probably doesn't look like it with a, you know, a microphone in front of my face, but y- you talk about how there's a tremendous amount of value for putting yourself out there to stand out from the crowd. For someone who may be a tad bit of an introvert, what advice would you give to others in the industry to help overcome that initial, like, oh, God, I have to talk to strangers moment? <laughs> You know,
3: I think the biggest thing is you just have to be yourself. And if you want to keep growing and do what you're doing, I keep telling myself, like, this is my job. This is what I have to do. I told someone yesterday that when I get asked to do things, so that sometimes I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, like, I would love to do that. And then I'm thinking in my head, like, how do I get out of this? And I know that sounds crazy. But then I push myself (laughs) to do it because I know how important it is and what it's done for me and to help me in my business. It's been tremendous. Um, I can't even tell you how, um, you know, how it's just been life changing um, for me and my company. Um, If you would even see, you know, like eight years ago, I just did a charity um, taping yesterday with um, it's called the Heinz Ward Positive Athlete here in Pittsburgh. That's a big charity that I'm involved in. And the guy said, if you would have seen how you were eight years ago versus today, like he's just so proud of how far I've come with the whole speaking because it has been a challenge for me. And, um, you just can't be afraid to put yourself out there. I did work with a coach for a little bit and I plan to continue to work with a coach Ooh, as well. And you just got to put that time and effort in if you want to continue to evolve in your career.
0: I love that. All, all of it, including the part about Heinz Ward in, in <sighs> Pittsburgh, because that's an avid Jaguars fan. I'm, I'm not allowed to like anything that's Steelers related, but he doesn't play <laughs> for the Steelers anymore. So I think I'm allowed to like that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> What's it's next for... Bag. Great guy. I, I, I guess so. But the Jaguars still have a winning record against the Steelers. It's the only team in the NFL that we can say that about. Well,
3: you know, it's funny, Blake. I've been down there for multiple games and I just felt like I was at home at a Steelers oh, game, no. like sitting in Pittsburgh, but yet I'm sitting in a stadium with a pool on the upper level thinking, wow, like I just feel like I'm at home.
0: Because <laughs> oh, so no. Steeler fans. <laughs> oh great. no! I don't even know what to say to that. Because I all I all I can do is just blame the Middleburg part <laughs> of Jacksonville. We don't claim right. them. Jacksonville doesn't claim that part of town. All. <laughs> all right. All, all jokes aside, what is uh what's the next steps for for you and the company? Uh, do you have yeah, any big have plans big for plan. later on this year, for maybe even the coming years?
3: Yeah. I mean, we are planning to grow out our truck brokerage and grow that a lot bigger than what it is today because 75% of my business or revenue that we have here is on the rail side, but we do have LTL that's growing and the truck brokerage is is a huge part. We're also growing out our agent program as well. Um, And I do have plans to hit 250 million. So we're putting together a plan hopefully in three to five years. And I know it's pretty aggressive, but I think we can get there and and possibly hit that hundred million dollar goal this year as well. That was my first goal that I ever had hit, and um, I have a good team around me, and I'm super excited about it.
0: Oh, oh that's awesome! That would be incredible to, to to watch that. And I have zero doubt that that you'll eventually get there. Now, now, where, Chrissy, where can people follow more of you, more of your work, Knitcho uh, Logistics work? Sure,
3: um, Logistics dot com is our website, but we're all over social media, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, YouTube, even I think we have some stuff out there as well. So I'm on there. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely check us out and look us up. And you know, if we can be of help to you, certainly reach out.
0: Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, Christy. And and I'll just just walk away with my tail between my legs. After the Jaguars joke, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> just, just gonna keep telling myself it's okay. okay. <laughs> it's only one okay. way to go for us. And that's up. Yeah,
3: absolutely. See, that's a positive thing that came out of this. (laughs) Thank you
0: so much, Christy. (laughs) All right. I guess everybody has to get one Jaguars jab in there for, for every show. Let's just make it a regular thing because you know what? We deserve it. for as embarrassing as of a performance that this team has had over the last few years, I promised myself I wouldn't make this a Jaguars specific show. So I do want to talk while we have a few minutes left uh, about a really cool story that I discovered the other day, because I, I don't know if, how many of you have watched the movie cast away. I feel like a lot of you have, but maybe some of the younger generation hasn't watched it. It's essentially it's, it's, it's the movie that Tom Hanks, he gets involved in a, a plane crash where a few people died and he ends up stranded on a deserted island. And it's really it's, it's an incredible movie to watch because Tom Hanks really just carries it without, you know, a, a, any other characters within the show. Unless you count FedEx as a character within the show, because I was watching the movie and I'm like, how much? did fedex pay to be involved in this movie and while i'm watching it because i've seen it a million times i i went and googled how much did they pay for product placement within this movie and this is a movie from the year 2000 and they're featured i've just said they're featured prominently throughout the entire movie from the very beginning like opening frame of it until the very end and so when i googled how much did they pay for this product placement turns out they paid nothing. Not a dime. FedEx didn't want to obviously pay to promote a deadly plane crash that could look negatively on the brand. But quoting the Chicago Tribune, FedEx decided that the script highlighting the company's humble origins, its global reach and can-do spirit outweighed the aircraft disaster. FedEx provided filming locations and its package sorting hubs in Memphis, Los Angeles, and Moscow, as well as airplanes, trucks, uniforms, and logistical support. There was a FedEx team of marketers on the movie set every day while filming during the entire two years of filming. So ultimately it saw the brand as a character within the movie. So I thought that that was just a really cool story that it it sort of goes to show that a good marketing move can be risky, but then pay off in the end, because you'll notice with a lot of different movies that they have their products sort of subtly placed within the the frame of the shot. And usually those, those framings and those placements are paid for. But in this case, with this movie, FedEx didn't pay for any of this. And in fact, they offered support for their filming locations in order to help Castaway really sort of bring home that movie. And I think it ultimately won a couple Oscars. I think it was a movie that Tom Hanks won an Oscar for for Best Leading Actor, I'm not sure if that's exactly correct, but I'm pretty sure that it was correct. But the rest of the story I thought was really fascinating to share. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that little marketing tidbit of a story. Now, in this show, we covered a lot of ground. We covered the podcasting stats. We covered how encouraging they are and why you should be starting up your own show. Then we got into with Aaron and Michael of Trucking for Millennials podcast and how successful that show, an informational-based trucking show, has really helped not only their the crew learn more about the industry as a whole but learn from their customers and learn from other individuals it's helped employees within the within the company too so it really goes to show how podcasting is just a powerful force to be reckoned with so if you're sitting on the fence hopefully that forced you to get off of the fence and start your own show and then christy christy is just amazing she's a wonderful woman not just a she's a, a wonderful woman in general but just as a business leader in this industry you should be following her work and following the moves that she makes because she's making them for a reason. Now, this was all in all a great show. Hope you guys enjoyed. My name is Blythe Brimley. In order to follow more of my work, you can check out my website, digitaldispatch.io. I'm also on all of the different social media platforms. All of the Cyberly episodes are up on the FreightWaves website. Just go to Google, search for FreightWaves Cyberly, and you'll be able to find us on YouTube, the podcast player of choice, and also on the website landing page. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will be right back here next Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with a brand new show. Thank you so much.